listening to To The Spirit Podcast. Hi, friends, and welcome to The Spirit. I'm Beck. And I'm Steph. Hey, Steph. Hi, Beck. You know what happened, Steph? What? I got a text from my mother that said, someone just opened the screen door and knocked hard, then closed the door. The dogs went crazy. I looked out the window and no one was there. I grabbed my revolver and opened the door. Nothing was on the porch. No truck, no packages, nothing. I called her and I said, what's going on, ma? And she said someone was banging on the door, but nobody was there. There was no packages delivered, nothing. She even looked out the window and checked. But when she came back in, the gas on her stove was turned on. Wow. That's really scary. It sounds a lot like Gabby's story because didn't she come home and her pilots are lit? Yeah, on all her... of them. Now, she didn't see any kids, though, but still, that was just a little... I love the country, <laughs> but I don't want to live there because there's too many weird things that happen. It is scary. I'm glad I'm kind of more located towards a little bit of civilization. You're away from the city, but you have a population around you. Yes. <laughs> I could run to a neighbor if I need to. Yeah, your mom is pretty remote. Yeah. So, uh, man. Well, I had to share that with the audience because I think our Black Eyed Kids episode or our Black Eyed People episode really screwed some people up. <laughs> <laughs> and mom doesn't have uh, dementia, right? No, absolutely not. <laughs> She's doing great. She's very lucid. I know. I'm just joking. I know when she listens to this, she's going to laugh. What else? Genesis chapter 6. <laughs> there were giants on the earth in those days and afterward. Today's show is about... Nephilim. Yes. I didn't really know about this until probably years later after I started taking religion and the Bible very seriously... And it really came to a shock to me. So when I first learned about it, I had this Bible from somewhere that had like little comments, like wh whoever the, the scholars were that went through the Bible, they would leave little notes or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it was a Bible that had notes Okay. that are printed in there, not someone's like handwritten. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking notes. like post-its. <laughs> no. And I, there's a name for that type of Bible. I just can't remember. So I looked it up and the person who wrote it in there believes that there was ancient ruins back then that were so incredibly large that they couldn't imagine building it themselves in this next generation because they were so big. Just like how we look at the pyramids, a lot of people speculate it could be aliens. Well, he kind of said in there that there's no giants, it's just leftover civilizations with these big giant structures, so they are using their imagination. I thought that was the worst thing I ever, I was like, that doesn't make any sense either. Because when you really look at the the stories of the Bible, it's very serious. I mean, it's very serious when it's talking about this, and it's kind of scary. I really think about it. And no one, neither the Jews nor the Christians, you know, they have certain Hebrew words that mean Nephilim. They also mean other things, too. Mm -hmm. And there's this level of interpretation of what it means. Is it a fallen angel? Is it remnants of the original peoples that were supposedly very gifted from God, like they were superhuman in a way. And I don't know, but it is quite frightening. <laughs> it is. I'm going to go back to my theory that everything came from somewhere. Why wouldn't giants stem from well, something real? Well, there's real big people on this planet. Well, we are. know there's a possibility genetically, and 
for the most part, it's an abnormality. Right. Ironically, when I was looking up giantism, the people that happen this to the most are from Ireland. And I was surprised. But then there's areas of the world where you have dwarfism. And that can happen randomly. But there are places where they have found little type hobbit people and they didn't have dwarfism. Very, very small people. I've seen pictures of my Italian relatives. They were definitely little people. I don't think there would be a store around that could accommodate them, how tiny they were. They probably had to buy adult pants and then chop the legs off. And and hem them. (laughs) Or use doll clothes. (laughs) And I'm just thinking, they didn't get enough protein where they came from. It was probably a lot of bread and pasta. Sounds wonderful. (laughs) Yeah, I know. No one's short in our family now. A lot of that has to do with your diet. So we know that there's big, huge people exist. Look at Shaquille O'Neal. Right. Grace Jones. Grace Jones is tall. There's a lot of tall people out there. And some that are super athletic, so it's it's amazing what they can do. But these giants that people have recorded, and I think the most unique thing and what really stands out to me is that like every culture has giants. They all have six fingers, six toes. They're cannibals. Yeah, they terrorize people. Yeah, the cannibal thing just gets me. Yeah, and I'm like, why is it always the same story? You have the Native Americans here in the U.S. have the same story as the Jews and the Irish and the Italians. Giants all through the Middle East. Right. Giants throughout Europe. Same story. I can understand it could spread there because they're closer together. But when you have a Native American, they haven't come in contact. that's the thing, too. When you play telephone or operator, that game where you say something to somebody, it tends to morph and the story changes. And then the story becomes completely different. But like you said, it's similar across the board, which is very weird, which leads me to believe this is very well possible. Is there evidence of giants? They're spoken of, like you said, in the Bible. Mm -hmm. The same can be found in the sacred Thai text of Ceylon, in Greek mythology, as well as in the Aztec, Egyptian, Irish, or Basque traditions. Wow. So you're right. It's worldwide. It is, yeah. The legacy of this race was supposedly reflected in the megaliths in the colossal mounds of the northeast of the United States, such as the ruins of Baalbek, Lebanon, or those in Bolivia or Peru. Some authors argue that in the distant past when giants walked on Earth, they helped build massive monuments using stones weighing more than 100 tons. So you kind of wonder. Yeah. Well, the other thing with giants is how do they hide themselves? They're so big. Right. Are they just a mythical thing that just appears? <laughs> like, or a mystical thing, you know, that just appears? When you look at the Bible and it says, the Nephilim were in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and they bore children to them, the same were the mighty men that were of old, the men of renown. So these are evil to the point of view of the jews at the time their evil creation that right. mated with human beings which their offspring were the giants and this story also goes hand in hand with some other ones too if they think they're the fallen angels there's right. a lot of parallels with aliens and, and fallen, fallen angels. angels it's a tie-ins yeah and it's all really fascinating i find it like wow maybe <laughs> Really strange stuff out there. I don't know how to... There really is. I mean, and the, the more research we do, the more it's undeniable almost. It's hard to 
say that this is absolutely nothing when you have researchers and historians and people that really did their homework to show you that there could possibly be proof. Now, did you know there's a book of giants, which is, by the way, incomplete? More than a half a decade ago, researchers came across thousands of ancient scrolls in the Qumran caves. Among the scrolls, they found the Book of Giants, which speaks of the Nephilim and their destruction. That's very fascinating because without the Qumran scrolls, those are the Dead Sea Scrolls, we wouldn't have a lot of proof. There's a lot of things that they use, those to reference scriptures and things like that, that has helped Christianity's helped Judaism. So to me, I look at that as a great source of information, but it's it's amazing that there's all this dedication. Those are probably monks that put them there a long time ago. The fact that they took the time to write about these. Well, you can't help but think that there's a giant massive, well, giant, <laughs> a massive cover-up going on here. It's weird because to me, I would think that the church for the most part would embrace it because it's coming from the Bible. Well, it's horrifying. They're cannibalistic giants that are just running around. <laughs> it takes like a, troops and armies to take them down. Yeah. And we don't know their temperaments. Are they like crazy asses? <laughs> <laughs> I think that they are. I mean, I think that they are almost inhuman, you know, the way that they behave. Like Jack and the Beanstalk. They're up there eating people. They're always cannibals. Cows are bigger than us. Bison. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. According to the ancient text, the giants, the Nephilim, became aware that due to their violent ways, they faced an imminent destruction. They asked Enoch to speak on their behalf to God. The Amim had dwelt there in times past, a people as great and numerous and tall as the Anakim. I don't know if I'm saying these right because it's Hebrew. They were also regarded as giants. They're saying that their heights ranged between 7.6 feet and 10 feet. And their skulls, presumably those of men, are much larger than the heads of any race which inhabit America today. They tend to have a double row of teeth, six fingers, six toes, and like humans came in different races. The teeth in the front of the jaw are regular molars. Heads usually found are elongated due to longer than normal lifespan. A lot of people believe that there's dormant giants in the ground and that they could be unleashed upon us. <laughs> I have a hard time believing that one, but there are some people who believe that. But if you ever heard an L.A. Marzulli, he's a big believer. In the Nephilim. In the Nephilim. Yeah. Huge believer. With all the same traits, I can, I'm going to read to you, you know, when we go later on about the Native Americans. Okay. What they saw and what they've passed down uh, through stories are white giants, red hair. Right. Six fingers, six toes, multiple rows of teeth, cannibal. Same thing. It just blows me away. And then I think the writer also talked about they've been finding, you know, not just giants, but other races like in China. They Here we go. A giant footprint yeah. in China. Okay. Near the village of Ping Yan in China, a group of adventurers came across what seems to be a massive footprint embedded in stone. Having the length of 57 centimeters and a width of 20 centimeters, this massive footprint leaves little to the imagination. But that's just one of the many footprints that were allegedly found on Earth. A massive footprint in South Africa, the stone where the footprint was embedded supposedly dates back to 200 million years, known by the locals as the Footprints of the God. Tellinger describes the 1.2 meter long footprint 
as a sensational discovery and believes it dates back to 200 million years. That's really big. It's big. That is big. It's a right foot. But I see one, two, three, four. Well, you can't see all the toes in it. No. Interesting that it's embedded in the rock. That's incredible. Also makes you wonder with the Bigfoot sightings. They're humongous. And people say that looks like a man, like a hairy man, but kind of like a beast too. I don't know if the giants were so much. uh, I think they were more human-esque. They had skin, but they were had red hair and red beards and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But the one story I will tell you about the giant of Kandahar was hairy all over. Okay. And I thought, wow, that sounds like a Bigfoot. And some people have horrible stories about Bigfoot. If we take a look at ancient Japanese mythology, we find descriptions of the Oni, a kind of supernatural ogre, which is depicted as a hideous creature with sharp claws, two long horns protruding from its head while having humanoid characteristics. It seems to be everywhere. Yeah. And I would say that the story of ogres is basically like giants. Right. gross and they eat people. We have a two-headed giant from Patagonia. This is a two-headed giant that, according to reports, was captured by the Spanish sailors in the 1600s. When this giant was captured, he was killed while trying to escape from his captivators. As the Spaniards killed him with a pike through the chest. Eventually, the story faded away until the mummified remains somehow got into the UK in the 19th century. In 1914, after being passed from one showman to another, the mummified remains of Cap Dois ended up at Weston's Burnbeck Pier. There, his remains spent 45 years on display until Lord Thomas Howard purchased the remains in 1959. Cap Dois continued to amaze people and somehow ended up in Baltimore, Maryland. In a strange collection at Bob's Sideshow at the Antique Man LTD in Baltimore, owned by Robert Gerber and his wife. Sadly, other than the myths, legends, and stories, there's little we have about giants. This is an article from a website called Ancient Ones. The title says, Ancient Race of White Giants Described in Native Legends from Many Tribes. The Choctaw. Horatio Bardwell Cushman wrote, in his 1899 book, History of the Choctaw, Chickasaw, and Natchez, Natchez Indians, the tradition of the Choctaws told of a race of giants that once inhabited the now state of Tennessee and with whom their ancestors fought when they arrived in Mississippi in their migration from the West. Their tradition states that the Nahulio race of giants was of wonderful stature. Cushman said Nahulo came to be used to describe all white people, so it's like their general term for all white people, but it originally referred specifically to a giant white race with whom the Choctaw came into contact when they first crossed the Mississippi River. The Nahulo were said to be cannibals, whom the Choctaw killed whenever the opportunity arose. Comanches. Chief Rolling Thunder of the Comanches, a tribe from the Great Plains, gave the following account of an ancient race of white giants in 1857. Innumerable moons ago, a race of white men ten feet high and far more rich and powerful than any white people now living, here inhabited a large range of country extending from the rising to the setting sun. Their fortifications crowned the summits of the mountains, protecting their populous cities situated in the intervening valleys. They excelled every other nation which was flourished, either before or since, in all manner of cunning handicraft 
were brave and warlike, ruling over the land they had wrestled from its ancient possessors with a high and haughty hand. Compared with them, the pale faces of the present day were pygmies in both art and arms. The chief explained that when this race forgot justice and mercy and became too proud, the great spirit wiped it out and all that was left of their society were the mounds still visible on the tablelands. The Navajo. Yates also writes of the Starnake people of Navajo legend, describing them as a regal race of white giants. I'm just going to pause because I'm amazed that all these three different tribes, different places of the United States, mm-hmm. have white giants in their oral history. And that just blows my mind. So a regal race of white giants endowed with mining technology who dominated the West, enslaved lesser tribes, and had strongholds all through the Americas. They were either extinguished or went back to the heavens. The Manta. Never heard of Manta tribe. In 1553, Pedro Cieza de Leon wrote in Chronicle of Peru about legendary giants described to him by the Manta indigenous people. There are, however, reports concerning giants in Peru who landed on the coast of the point of Santa Elena. The natives relate the following tradition, which had been received from their ancestors from very remote times. There arrived on the coast in boats made of reeds as big as large ships, a party of men of such size that from the knee downward their height was as great as the entire height of an ordinary man. Though he might be of good stature, their limbs were all in proportion to their deformed size of their bodies and it was a monstrous thing to see their heads, with hair reaching to the shoulders. Their eyes were as large as small plates. So it says, Leon said that the sexual habits of the giants were revolting to the natives, and heaven eventually wiped out the giants because of those habits. How would it even There's be only possible for them to breed with human women? Oh, I know. I'd be scared. You'd die. That's what I'm saying. How could you even have children? Yeah. The Paiutes are said to have an oral tradition that told of red-haired, white cannibals about 10 feet tall who lived in or near what is now known as Lovelock Cave, Nevada. It is unclear whether this oral tradition about the so-called Saitka giants existed or if it was an exaggeration or distortion of their legends made after the Paiutes were mostly killed or dispersed in 1833 by an expedition by explorer Joseph Walker. Brian Dunning of Skeptoid explored Paiute's legends and found no mention of the Saitka being giants. It seems there was, however, a people who practiced cannibalism and who lived in Lovelock Cave. Human remains have been found there, and a few of the human bones had the marrow removed, suggesting the marrow was eaten. Cannibalism seems to have been a rare practice among these peoples, however. So basically, I think there was a cave that they found, you know, the natives knew there was human remains, and maybe a story could have started from there, but, you know. I don't know. Who knows? 2013, after heavy storms in Ecuador, a large female skull was found in Aloha province. Science determined that the skull was approximately 600 years old. This skeleton stood at 7 foot 4 tall which was astounding because the average height of a woman in those days was five foot eight. I tried to look up to see if they had any photos of giants. You're not using DuckDuckGo. I, I should probably switch to that. Definitely. And this is not it's like... It's an a, Ecuador. But it's a real one, they're saying? No, it's, they found it in 2013. Holy moly. 
they researched into this and it led into the discovery of five more giant skeletons in that same area, all between seven and eight feet tall, and they were buried in deep, elaborate graves. They were found at two separate sites, leading scientists to conclude that they were probably from two different tribes. So they're tribes of giants. The remains of a much larger giant were found in Ecuador in 1964. Father Carlos Vaca, a priest who worked with hospitals, was called upon to examine some strange bones found in a mountainous area. Vaca determined the bones were human, despite being incredibly large. The bones were taken to Austrian artifact researcher Klaus Donner, who allowed several experts to view the bones. They all came to the same conclusion. They belonged to a human who likely would have been over 25 feet tall. That's what you were looking at. They also concluded that the bones were over 10,000 years old. Wow. The New York Giants, 1871 archaeological dig at the Native American burial ground unearthed 200 giant skeletons, some measuring up to nine feet tall. The remains could have been up to 9,000 years old. And how tall were they? Over nine feet tall. Wow. The Giants of Death Valley, 1931. They discovered some caves and tunnels in Death Valley, decided to explore them. And what they first assumed to be a small cave turned out to go on for 180 square miles. And one of the first things they discovered was some kind of ritual or religious hall covered in strange hieroglyphics. But stranger still was a discovery of nine foot tall humanoid skeletons. The story was officially reported in San Diego newspaper in 1947. The remains were mummified and estimated to be at around 80,000 years old. However, the story quickly faded. Now, you have to understand... North America was loaded with these things, but the Smithsonian went in and cleaned this all up. It's said, you can't find that on Google either. <laughs> no, DuckDuckGo, guys. <laughs> DuckDuckGo, they don't censor what you find. But over the last hundred years, thousands of giant skeletons have been found throughout the world, especially in the American Midwest. So where's the evidence? One way or another, the Smithsonian Institute quickly caught wind of most of these giant findings and made evidence disappear. In most cases, those who exhumed the giant skeletons reported their findings immediately to the Smithsonian, naively trusting the Institute to do what was in the public's interest. Apparently, the Smithsonian's concept of in the public's interest included protecting Darwin's theory of evolution and the established historical narrative at all costs. In other words, lying to the public. In August of 2015, a U.S. Supreme Court ruling forced the Smithsonian Institute to admit that it had been covering it up and destroying tens of thousands of giant skeletal remains since the early 1900s, destroying them. The case against the Smithsonian was made by the American Institution of Alternate Archaeology, AIAA, and the irrefutable evidence came from the whistleblowers within the Smithsonian who admitted to the existence of documents that allegedly proved the destruction of tens of thousands of human skeletons reaching between 6 and 12 feet in height, a reality mainstream archaeology cannot admit to for various reasons. A spokesman for the AIAA explained, There has been a major cover-up by the Western archaeological institutions since the early 1900s to make us believe that America was first colonized by Asian peoples migrating through the Bering Strait 15,000 years ago, when in fact, there are hundreds of thousands of burial mounds all over America, which the natives claim were there for a long time before them, and that show traces of highly developed civilization complex use of metal alloys and where giant human skeletons remains are frequently found but still go unreported in the media and news outlets. A turning point in the court case was when a 1.3 meter long human femur bone was shown as evidence in court as the existence of giants. Wow. 
The evidence came as a blow to the Smithsonian's lawyers, and the bone had been stolen from the Smithsonian by one of their high-level curators in the mid-1930s, who had kept the bone all his life, and which had admitted on his deathbed in writing of the undercover operations of the Smithsonian. It is a terrible thing that has been done to the American people, he wrote in the letter. We are hiding the truth about the forefathers of humanity, our ancestors, the giants who roamed the earth as recalled in the Bible and ancient texts of the world. It's pretty incredible. I wouldn't doubt that there's some cover-up going on, especially when they, some people are coming out with some proofs. with a lot of people now is trying to balance their spiritual beliefs or their religious beliefs with scientific beliefs. And if you look at the way that science is formed, and it's wonderful what we do have, there's this, I think, purpose of trying to destroy the spiritual belief and, and to kind of rip apart any historical uh, stories or values that come from the what Bible. What is that about? Control? I don't... I think it's... Controlling the narrative? I think there's a lot of people who... They're intellectuals, they're in the field of science, and they, you know, they don't believe in God. And I think to them it's it's irritating. They're not open-minded to that, and they try to always, I think, fit that narrative. There are so many things that are changing all the time. Do you remember back, I think it was in the in the 90s, when CGI stuff was so rare to see, but every once in a while they'd have something that maybe they'd try to put together, and they formed these like Neanderthal people, whatever they were, the CGI, just because they want to show people what they think they looked like. Right, I do remember that. They were so terrible looking. Oh, they yeah. Were, they basically look like monkey people. Yeah, strange monkey people. <laughs> and now they, they backtrack on that. And they try to make you believe this is what you look what like. What you look like. Yeah. And now they don't believe that. They think they look more like, and it's just weird. That was like maybe a 20-year distance. Yeah, even more than that. Okay. Like, But how everything changes so rapidly. Just the DNA information that we have kind of disputes a lot of the Darwinism, you know, because there hasn't been a species crossover. Nothing jumped from one species to become another. And that was the whole basis of Darwin. If that was the case, then why would there still be a species that exists? Wouldn't they have all jumped over? Yeah, and they, they all have answers for this. But what I think is that people, animals, and things change but they don't jump species. No. You know, that's about as far as they go. You could ask a zillion of them, can you give me an example of, you know, one species jumping from one to another? And they can't. It doesn't exist. But they hold on to this so strongly. It's like an ideology, just like people that believe in God and they only only open to the one thing that they believe in. All you have to do is think about these things, like, rationally. Sit and actually think logically. Steph was talking about the Paiutes of northwestern Nevada, and they had an ancient oral tradition that the states went to war against a ferocious enemy tribe of red-haired cannibalistic giants known as the Sitaka. The chronicle states that the Paiutes trapped these giants inside a large cave, set it on fire, and then shot any escaping giants with a fury of fire-piercing arrows. There's a written account in 1883 
Sarah Winnemucca, daughter of Paiute Chief Winnemucca, wrote the first known autobiography of a Native American woman called Life Among the Paiutes. In this book, Sarah writes about the red-haired people-eaters that her tribe exterminated, as well as her family's most treasured garment passed down from generation to generation, a dress trimmed with this red hair. The Cave in the Miners. In 1911, a group of miners, led by James Hart, began digging out 250 tons of bat guano, and it's now known as Lovelock Cave. Located 93 miles northwest of Reno, these miners discovered countless cave artifacts, burnt arrow shafts, there you go, a cave ceiling charred black by fire, and skeletons and skulls of giant proportions. That ties in with the Native American's autobiography. The archaeologists and artifacts. In the spring of 1912, the University of California sent L.L. Loud to conduct archaeological excavations at the Lovelock Cave, and he estimated that the earliest inhabitants once visited the cave around 4000 B.C. He obtained over 10,000 artifacts and specimens, which included a donut-shaped notched stone calendar, elaborate duck decoys, very large weapon shafts, and a gigantic pestle and mortar. In 1929, the field guide Lovelock Cave, archaeologists validate the oral tradition of the Paiutes and the testimony of the miners regarding the red-haired giants by documenting their findings of skeletons with red hair and by providing photographs of the large-looking skull as well as something else, the humanoid. There's a photograph of a humanoid-looking skeleton they unearthed, and it's eerily similar to the humanoid and elongated-looking skulls found in the Paracas, Peru. Considering the size of the skull in comparison to the size of the body, look at the placement of the large eye sockets along with the small face and jaw. I'm going to show you this stuff. That looks like an alien. Yes. Is that a baby, though? It didn't say that it was a baby. That's but what they the, found the, in there. I mean, but anyways, the proportion of the eye sockets are way larger. And the head, the head is, is elongated like they speak about. Tiny chin. They're saying that that was from the 7 to 10 foot tall giants. That wasn't small? No. That's probably just the top part of it. And it looks wow. weird because that was like a very old picture from 1932. More ancient mummies and giant skeletons discovered near Lovelock. They found, of course, these guys were from the Smithsonian. 9,500-year-old DNA tests proved that they were not of Paiute origin, but of Caucasian origin. They found two very large skeletons, and it was in Humboldt Dry Lake Bed near Lovelock Cave. One measured eight and a half feet, and the other one was ten. The Humboldt Museum witnesses and photographs. There was a handful of people who testified to seeing these giant skulls from Lovelock Cave in a storage room at the Humboldt Museum in Winnemucca, Nevada. The photo was taken by Don Monroe back in the 70s and recently discovered among his things that were boxed up. They noticed the massive red skull in the middle that appears to have a double row of teeth. The testimony of the museum director in the cover-up recently has been confirmed that four of the ancient skulls unearthed at the Lovelock Cave are in fact in the possession of the Humboldt Museum in Winnemucca, Nevada. According to Barbara Powell, who is the director of the collection, the museum is prohibited by the state of Nevada from putting the skulls on public display because... The state does not recognize their legitimacy. Again, with the cover-up stuff. Yep. There's, you know, <laughs> this is going out there too, you know, because I'm a big believer in science, but like when you consider the dinosaurs, there's a lot of Christians out there that do not believe in the whole narrative that dinosaurs are millions and millions of years old. Right. They think that they could possibly have existed at the same time as human beings. I've never really got too deep into that to try to debate it, but... When you think about, there's different time periods where things were giant, <laughs> you know, like maybe right. you needed to be freaking huge. You must have. To deal with, if you're around, I mean, just, just a hypothesis. I'm not saying no, this No, no, this true, is great because let's roll with it. Think about it. It makes total sense. 
if you're living in a world of dinosaurs, you're not going to survive. You need to be huge. No Everything way. there's there's supposedly there's even time periods when insects and plants were ginormous. Birds were huge. Yeah. So there's been different time periods of animals and plant life that existed that are humongous. Yep. So I can't see that, you know, it's out of the question that there would be giants. Giants. And what was their purpose? Of course, there's the legends that they're coming from uh, otherworldly places. Possibility. Breeding, breeding with earthlings with their giant member, their giant, <laughs> giant pecker wreckers. <laughs> Uh, Mary Sutherland of the red-haired giants of Rock Lake, Wisconsin. Did Don't you know? know? Don't you know that there's red-haired giants in Wisconsin? <laughs> now, this woman wrote, and this isn't very long. Mary Sutherland is an author and researcher, and she focused her work on consciousness studies, ancient history, and unusual phenomena. And she's a hands-on researcher. And she's basically saying that they ruled over men and earth with ships faster than birds flight. Ships that reached their goal without sails or oars, and by night as well by day. They had magic stones to look into the distance so they could see cities, rivers, hills, and lakes. Whatever happened on earth or in the sky was reflected in those stones. They had great knowledge and could suspend the heaviest stones, fling lightning, or melt rocks. That sounds pretty alien to me. Mm -hmm. Prior to the upcoming cataclysms, the ancient gods left Earth for safer places. According to Tatunka Nera, after the former masters left in the year zero, a global catastrophe occurred. Before leaving, they gave the sacred knowledge to their earthbound offspring to protect until their return. These people were known as the sacred record keepers. The pre-Diluvium patriarchs took shelter in underground cities, underground tunnel systems, and the high mountains above flood level when the star visitors returned from the heavens these grateful patriarchs gave them their loyalty and defied them as gods. Let's get a little crazy. A lot of people dismiss this guy, but there are two people. One is named Corey Good, and he uh, allegedly worked in the secret space program. And he allegedly knew that there were redhead giants and they were in stasis. They had found these giants in stasis and these giants could be awoken. I think you sent video to me on that years ago. They were really weird looking. You would have to be an amazing artist. To recreate that. To recreate that. that. I mean, a, an amazing artist. They were actually very good looking, beautiful looking. But they had the red beards, like the men had the beards. So if someone had to put together something fake, they would have to be Hollywood level artistry. That's how good it was, what, what we saw. Another guy who is a little controversial, Stephen Quayle. And he's on Coast to Coast a lot. You mm -hmm. heard him? Yep. And he is a big proponent of the giants too he believes like la marzuli yeah they work together don't they I, they might i'm not sure but quail uses biblical sources to support his analysis of giants and what they meant for humanity in the current era and basically he views them as biblical nephilim who are the offsprings of demonic entities that are hostile to humanity to agree with that for one reason because if it's something you know of a fallen angel yeah angels don't have bodies they cannot reproduce. So they can do terrible things to people, but they cannot make children. I think that whole idea of squash that would be an you know, a fallen angel because they're spiritual beings. They are not physical beings at all. So I think it's more another type of creature that exists, you know, just like we exist in the universe. They exist somehow. 
mated with uh, human beings. There's a video that was recorded in 2008 that I showed you stuff and features an alleged stasis being not a giant discovered in Kurdistan, region of Iran. According to Good, they're keeping these hidden. Yeah, I remember this. Yeah. Just the artifacts that are in there. It's hard to get an idea of how big they are. They look like a big man. Do you see the red hair? Is that the one with the red beard? And everything? Yeah, it's like blondish. Doesn't red. he look like a king? Yeah, he's wearing a helmet. He's got a big, long nose. But like a good-looking face, like something very striking about it. I really don't know what to think of all this stuff. There's a part of me that truly believes that giants existed, and I do believe that there was a cover-up. Now, do you think that they might exist now? I don't know if they're alive now, and if they are, I would tend to believe maybe they're in stasis or off-planet. But there is one story about the Kandahar giant. The Kandahar giant, United States military, was has been in Afghanistan for a long time. Stephen Quayle spoke of an occurrence still classified by the U.S. government in his popular radio show, Coast to Coast. The events allegedly happened in 2002 on a desert part of Afghanistan. When a U.S. Army squad went missing, a special ops task force was sent to find out what had happened. And the soldiers walked along a ragged, mountainous trail until arriving at the entrance of a large cave. Always a cave. I don't know why giants love those caves. Pieces of broken U.S. military equipment and gear were scattered all around the clearing. The task force was about to enter the cave to explore its recesses when a 13-feet red-headed, <laughs> six-digit, double-toothed humanoid emerged and attacked them. Wow. This was in 2008? Two. Oh, 2002. Let me see. Let me, yeah, 2002. According to the witnesses, the giant pierced one of the soldiers with his long spear, killing him before the rest of the squad could take him down, shooting at his face for 30 seconds straight. Which sounds like a short amount of time, but you're supposed to drop dead once you get, well, yeah. once you get hit. Unless then. you're on bath salts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the body of the giant was packed and loaded into a helicopter and transferred to a secret location in the USA for study. Oh, it was probably... <laughs> they brought it over at the Smithsonian. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> the Smithsonian's <laughs> like the Vatican. <laughs> It's like the Vatican for atheists. Based on Quayle's story, L.A. Marzulli succeeded in identifying and interviewing one of the members of the task force who actually saw and shot the giant of Kandahar as the event became to be known. The soldier said that his squad, on searching the cave, had come around a gigantic humanoid with a thick red beard and long hair of the same color. Inside the cave, there were remains of human bones, leading the military to think that the creature was a cannibal. One of the soldiers was impaled by the weapon the giant wielded, a kind of long spear or lance. During a 30-second shootout, according to the witness, the United States government didn't disclose the event and has no intention to do it in the future because giants don't match with any of the way that we explain our world. The giant weighed about 500 kilograms, so I think that's like a little over 1,000 pounds probably. Okay as estimated by the C-130 cargo plane team who transported the body from the pickup location to the United States. The witnesses remembers that one of the pilots noted a terrible stench of musk and dirt exuding from the cadaver, like a man who didn't shower for 10 years. The witness told Marzulli that the odor was more intense than, than that of a skunk and close to that of a pile of decomposing corpses. Kind of reminds me of the way people describe Bigfoot, you know, they stink. Yeah. The giant wore a canvas or animal hide to protect his feet, like some sort of moccasins. 
We searched online and retrieved the original interview. The witness talks about the encounter with this huge being, which had occurred in a remote area near Kandahar, Afghanistan. Marzuli calls the witness the shooter due to his active involvement in the giant's killing and claims to have interviewed him three times on the phone and at different times to check for any discrepancies in the story. Having found none, eventually he was convinced that the event was real and decided to meet the military in person. The meeting occurred in an undisclosed location. Coincidentally, on one of his trips to meet with the shooter, Marzulli found out that his driver was a former military who had served in Afghanistan a few years later, the event he was investigating, and that he knew about it. The new witness, codenamed Mr. D, was interviewed by Marzulli in the documentary series Watchers X and said, When we came back to base, we would hear our colleagues talk about a unit that had found and killed a person inside or at the entrance of a cave. At first, I didn't think much of it, but then I've heard that fellow's size was three times that of a human being, and that he had more fingers and toes than a normal man, that he had red hair, and that a special unit was looking for him. As the documentary rolls on, Marzulli shows an iron tip weighing about six kilograms, which is about 12 pounds, is attached to a pole to make a spear. would be difficult to maneuver for a middle-sized man. That tip was found in Michigan and given to an Indian chief of the reservation, but it is the same object that the shooter claims to have seen in the hands of the giant of Kandahar during the attack, the same iron tip that killed his colleague. In the video, the shooter is called Mr. K and is introduced just as a worker. He confirmed that he was serving in Afghanistan in 2002 and that his unit had been called for a rescue mission of another unit which had gone missing in a remote area of that country. So remote, he says, that they had to get there via air with a four-kilometer distance flight. goes on and on. Long story short, stay the hell away from caves. Yeah, I know. <laughs> stay out of the mountains in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> Hide in your house. Don't, Don't go to the go. Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> stay out of Nevada, the desert. I know, what? We've already been told with COVID we have to stay indoors for the most part. We might as well go to space at this point. I, I mean, we're all locked. Want... I don't either, but we're all locked down. We yeah. can't go for nature hikes. We're probably going to be taken by something. <laughs> <laughs> Just be careful when you are at home that you don't answer that door with those black-eyed kids. Oh, God. <laughs> so many things that can come after us. I'm more afraid of wasps than anything else. But... You're more afraid of wasps than BEKs? I think so. The giants. I don't know, those little tiny bodies with the dangly legs, and they come too close. Just too close. What about <laughs> giants with, like, rows of teeth? That would be scary, but I don't think I'm ever going to meet one, personally. If I do, <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> Please do. Please do. Well, listeners, we want to thank you for leaving us reviews, for sending in the emails, the questions, the comments... And for listening, you can reach us at tothespiritpod at gmail.com. You can find us at tothespiritpod on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. And if you really want to find us, we'll be hiding in our houses from now on. For the rest <laughs> of our lives. <laughs> Bye, guys. To the Spirit Podcast. Supernatural Science. Italian. I'm ghost, I'm ghost, I'm ghost, I'm ghost.
psychic. Mystic. Spirit. Divine source. Heaven. The dead. It's magic.